and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hello, I'm Pat Malone, and I'd like to welcome you to The Church in the Home, where we share the light of God's Word from our home to you. I know the truth of God's Word, and I believe what I heard, yeah, yeah. I believe what I heard. I believe what I heard, so I'm standing on the Word of God. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 3. This evening we're going to be covering Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. And this is the second prayer in Ephesians, and it also is the fulcrum point really between the the doctrinal and the practical application of that doctrine. And what we've learned in the doctrine so far is the unfolding of the great mystery, and we've seen that in so many different aspects. We've seen the build-up to it, knowing that we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. We saw that we were made sons according to God's eternal purpose. We saw that God had this mystery, has his his desire, has his plan for mankind, has his great desire of the ages. And that in this mystery, with this great mystery, the Jew and the Gentile would be one. It would be one body. And we saw that that body is the habitation of God. We saw how we came from being without God and without hope to this great place where now we are part of this wonderful wonderful body of Christ. And in chapter 3 and verse 14 then, it says, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. This cause, this cause of the great mystery. When we consider these wonderful truths, when we consider what God has done for us, what he's accomplished for us through the work of his Son, for that cause, Paul prays unto God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. It is the family of God. It's the family of God, and God is our Father, and we are his children and we are brothers and sisters. And that's such a great reality. This family of God is God's desire. It's what he did want. And he placed us in this family. What a wonderful, loving thing that God did that he provided us with such a wonderful family. You know, family, family's a big deal. Family's a real big deal. And if, you, if you've known a family that's wonderful and loving, if you come from a wonderful, loving family or been a part of one, you really have an appreciation for that. It's funny when it comes to family. When family really means something to you, it can, go, it can extend beyond even those members of your family that you know well. I spoke recently to Steve Zalezi, Reverend Steve Zalezi, most of you know him. I think all you guys in here know him. And um, he, was, he had asked me about my recent trip to Ireland, and I 
talked to him a little bit about that, and he told me about his trip that he had taken a couple years back, a few years back to Italy. And he went back to Italy, and he was able to find not just the area where he's from, he was actually able to find relatives that he still had in Italy, relatives that he had never met before. And he looked them up, and they were just so wonderful. They just welcomed him into their home because he was family. He was family. You know, it's one of the things I love about Italians, that uh, they have that. Um, when I was in Connecticut, you know, you walk into an Italian household, and boy, you just felt like you were family. Uh, I, was, I said to somebody recently, oh, I went to this, went to this little place downtown, Dina's Alterations, and it's run by a little, little Italian woman. And, and I just so enjoyed being there just to hear again that accent. And I so miss little old Italian ladies. Um, Connecticut, I, I really had a couple that I really loved. And, and, you know, because of the warmth, because of that, you know, they just are so hospitable and making you feel a part of the family. It's not unusual for some nationalities to have that kind of attitude. Maybe all, I don't know all. But that attitude that, boy, even if I don't know you, you're a cousin, you know, you may be a you know, third cousin three times removed, but you're part of the family, and because of that, you're welcomed. You know, it's wonderful to be a part of a family that's loving. And one of the things that I'm most blessed and proud about in terms of what my life has done is that I've raised a family that is very loving. I have a family that just loves me and loves their mother, Loretta, and they love one another. And boy, that's just so precious. It's so sweet, so precious. When you are part of a family like that, when something goes wrong, Boy, they just pulled together. We had a situation not come up this summer where the whole family pulled together and worked out something that had been, you know, a negative and in and, and just a matter of hours turned it around. And it blessed us so much, not just because the situation was turned around, but because of that love that was there with our children that they cared so much to do that. It's great to be a part of a family like that. But there's something even greater that God's provided. Because not everybody is born into that kind of an earthly family, and not everybody's Italian. Not everybody gets to enjoy those kind of families. But God placed us in His family. And when the reality of that hits you, and when that's real, it's even bigger than that earthly family. It's even more special. You know, when that's living, and I, I've seen this, where you can, again, go to some place and be part of a family of believers that you've never met before, and yet they welcome you with that same kind of love. Dylan, he, he was down in, in Chile, and he experienced that there, where these folks had never met him, but boy, didn't they make you feel like family? Mm -hmm. You know, that was the reality of it. That's how God wants it to be, this family of God, 
this family of God where that love of God just lives so big. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer it out loud, but I want you to stop and answer it in your mind. This prayer in Ephesians that we're reading, that we're about to really get into in detail, what's it all about? What's the central thing that it's about? Stop and answer that in your mind. And then see, as we read it, if you identified it right. Verse 16, here's the prayer. That he, God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in what? Love. Love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the what? Love. Love of Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. All right. Now that we've read it, and I've maybe given you a clue if you hadn't thought of it before, what's this prayer focused on? Love. The love of God. The love of God. Yes, it's a prayer for knowledge, for experiential knowledge, but knowledge of what? Knowledge of, you know, some picture of what heaven's going to be like, knowledge of the law, knowledge of... It's the knowledge, the experiential knowledge of love. We're going to go back and look at it in a little more detail. Verse 16 again, that God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. There's this wonderful relationship in life that we have with God that's important to understand accurately. Here it begins, this prayer begins that God would cause you to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. Because if you're going to be able to do the next part of what this prayer is, you have to have that. That's required. You have to be strong spiritually. It takes us being strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man in order to get to the next step. And each one of these verses builds on the next. It's a progression. It is a building thing that goes on in these verses. And it begins with that. It begins with being strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. How do you get strong? How do you get strengthened? How do you get built up spiritually? Speaking in tongues. There's one way to build the Spirit, and that is speaking in tongues. This Spirit, this gift of Holy Spirit, when we get it at the time of the new birth, at the time we're born again, when you confess Jesus Christ as Lord, believe God raised Him from the dead, you're born again of God's Spirit. And you've, it's complete. And you won't get more, and you don't ever need to get more. But what you do get is stronger. You grow in it. It gets stronger. And the way you do that is like anything else that where growth is involved. It's accomplished by feeding it. Physically, your body gets stronger as you feed and exercise it. Mentally, the same thing is true. Spiritually, it's true. 
And the way that you feed, the way you exercise that spirit is by operating the manifestation of speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues, and there's other places we could go to, and sometime we may need to look at it. <clears throat> speaking in tongues builds up that spirit. And as we do that, then, as we operate that, God is able to strengthen us with might so that we're stronger. We exercise and God energizes. We speak in tongues, we operate that manifestation, and God causes us to be spiritually stronger. You see, that's the way it works. We choose, we decide whether or not we want that spirit to get stronger. Because we can let it just sit and do nothing. That's our privilege. That's our choice. But when we do it, then God causes that to happen. Verse 17. What's the first word there? That. that. What does that indicate? Purpose. It's one of those little words we talked about earlier in Ephesians, these little words that are ex extremely significant, connective words, connectives or connecting words. And the word that here indicates the purpose. And the purpose of us getting strengthened with, by, by His Spirit in the inner man is that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Is Christ in us already? Yes. yes. So is it by getting stronger, Christ now comes in? No. no. It's not spiritually that we gain him, but Christ may dwell in our hearts by believing. The heart represents the innermost part of our thinking. Mm. So when we are strong spiritually, then that's the purpose that we can get to the place that Christ may dwell in our hearts by believing. It's Christ living in our hearts. It's an, another way of expressing that and expressing in different places, Christ formed in you. And some of you may be familiar with the wonderful teaching that Dr. World does called Christ formed in you. But that's where, boy, it's, it's Christ in our hearts by believing. It's not just that power being there, but us walking in it. We saw last time that the riches of the mystery of this one body is that it was Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that's terrific that we have that and that we have that power, but it only becomes really useful when we operate it and now we have Christ in our hearts by believing where we're operating it. He's there. We're, we're living it. We're showing that it is Christ in us. Next phrase, that. Again, here's a purpose. So one thing leads to the next. Now, Christ being dwelt, living in our hearts by believing for the purpose that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height of what? of love. Being rooted and grounded in love. We are rooted and grounded in love because of what God did for us. But 
The goal here is that we would comprehend the breadth and length and depth and height of that love. To have not just an awareness of it, not just a knowledge of it, but a full comprehension. A full comprehension of that love in every aspect of it, in every dimension of it. Breadth, length, depth, and height. And it's expressed as four different dimensions. How many of you ever watched a movie in 4D? No. Nobody. <laughs> Has anybody ever talked about 4D? No. 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 Why? Because most people only talk about 3D, right? Three dimensions. Yeah. And we express that all physical things, our tangible things, are, are 3D. And this, if you're actually able to pick it up, is 3D. If you're seeing it on a, on a screen here, and for you it's only 2D. But 3D is you're able to comprehend all sides of this. But there's a figure of speech here showing that this love of God exceeds even those three dimensions. That it's expressed as four dimensions to show and express that this love is that big. The breadth and length and depth and height of it. Four different ways to show that's the magnitude of God's love. And it is available for our understanding of our comprehension of it would be so full, so big, that we could understand God's love in that kind of extreme completeness. It goes on. And not just to comprehend it, but also to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. And there's that word, that means experiential knowledge. It's in the Greek, gnosko. And it's to know by experience that love of God. That's what it is that we're to know by experience. God's love in that kind of magnitude. That's the prayer. You see, this prayer in Ephesians of experiential knowledge is, is for specifically love. To so know God's love. To know by experience how much God loves you and to know by experience that love of God because you are in turn living it. And you can't have the one without the other. You cannot say you know the love of God, God's love for you experientially that big if you're not also living it in turn. And I could show you that from 1 John where it talks about how can you say you love God if you don't love your brother. It takes us living love. If you want to experientially know God's love for you, you have to love other people. You have to love them with that love of God. Love them with that love of God. Love them with that perfect love. You know, where it's not just in this family that Oh, yeah, you know, I know Pete, he's a nice guy, you know. What do you think about Dylan? Eh, Dylan, he's okay. Do you think that's the way that God thinks about Dylan? No. God, what do you, you know, <laughs> what do you think of Dylan? Eh, he's okay. <laughs> no, if you ask God, God, what do you think of Dylan? He said, 
Dylan, oh, I just love Dylan. He is the absolute best. He's the greatest. I'm so happy when Dylan's around. It just blesses me so much when, when we have fellowship together. That's, don't you, isn't that God's heart? Do you believe that that's God's heart for you? Sure. Do you believe it's for Dylan? Yes. <laughs> it is God's heart for each and every one of us, you know? God loves each and every one of us that way. You know, even the ones of us that are kind of crazy, which is good for me. God loves us so incredibly. That's got to be our perspective. That's the way that we have to think about one another. That's how we've got to think about members of the family we've never even met, that we've never even met. They're the family of God, and God loves them so much that he gave his only begotten son for them. He loves them so much that every time they, they open up their heart to him, he's just thrilled. Every time they come to him, he's just thrilled. He so wants that fellowship. God so wants our fellowship with him. It just is his heart's desire. It's, it's Again, why he did all this? Because he wanted a family. Because he wanted kids that would love him that much. Not kids that, you know, he had these kids and then they went off and forgot all about him. Not these kids who never call or, you know, talk to him. But these kids that love him and want to be with him. These kids that value and cherish that relationship. This is the love that God has for us and the love that he's given to us and the love that he wants us to experientially know. And this is the prayer in Ephesians. Do you want to get to that place? Do you want to get where you love the way that God loves? Do you want to get to the place where you see other members of the family that way? where you have that kind of genuine, sincere, without hypocrisy, love of God. Well, where did it start? That we would be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. There is a progression here. And this prayer is that we would have this, that we would do this, that we would grow and that we would get stronger, that Christ would dwell in our hearts by believing. And then when we get to that place that we'd, we would have this incredible comprehension of that love in every dimension and that we would then in turn live it. This love of Christ, verse 19, which passes knowledge. This love of God, we're to know by experience that which passes experiential knowledge. And if that sounds like a contradiction, it's because it's a figure of speech to express how big it is. That we can know by experience that which passeth knowledge. You know, a lot of times when somebody's incredibly thankful, they'll say, words can't express how, how thankful I am. Okay, Because they recognize just that depth of gratitude that passes even what they can express. We can know that which passes even knowledge. That which is too big to even think that you could ever experience, and yet we can. We can live it. That's what the prayer is for. 
And then it goes on to say, what's the next word? Look at verse 19. The love of Christ which passes knowledge. Next word? That. that purpose. That we might be filled with all the fullness of God. What is God? Love. God is love. How can we be filled with all the fullness of God if we don't know by experience that love? Mm. It is a prayer that is all about love. Yes, we want <clears throat> this prayer is that we would know it, and this prayer is to the end that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. And yes, that involves the power of God and operating that power, but all of that is focused and centered on love, on love. You know, God has a purpose for everything he says in his word, where he says it, and then a whole lot of other things. Why, who, to whom, so on and so forth. But let's just stop and think about where. 1 Corinthians 13, that great chapter on love, where is that in the Word? Right in the middle of the manifestations, right in the middle of the Holy Spirit and new spiritual matters. Because the fullness of God, the power of God, all that's within God is centered on the love of God. Boy, you can think about so many great verses in the Word of God, so many great truths that talk about God's power and God's ability and God's might to us. You can think about truths such as the more than a conqueror walk and how we're more than conquerors in all things through Christ who loved us. Strength? No. Nothing can, sep okay, this one. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And that's the build-up to that. It's all about the love of God. It's all about the love of God. And then you come to verse 20, which is the kind of benediction, the kind of closing of not only this prayer, but also this entire doctrinal section. That it all comes to this kind of conclusion. That's what a, a benediction is. It's a blessing and a, and a conclusion. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Unto him, who is the him? God. Now unto him, unto God, that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. That's a lot of building there, you know. God is able to do not just the things that we can ask, not even just the things that we can think. You know, you can ask a lot of things. There may be even things that you think about that you would sort of not even think to ask. But God can do exceeding abundantly above all of that. There's so many superlatives built into that verse, you know, it, it's hard to wrap your brain around it. Exceeding, abundantly, above all. Man, that is so big that God is able to do that, and what God is able to do, He is also what? Willing, willing to do. What He is able to do, He is also willing to do. God is able and willing to do that for us. And man, 
that verse has has is so big and it's such a favorite of people's that uh, it's almost a, it is a, a shorthand way to way to communicate to somebody else when something just beyond your wildest expectation or dreams happen. Well, that was just such an Ephesians three twenty experience. Mm. You know, it's just yeah. it's just such a a quick way to communicate. The greatest thing ever happened because God will do that. God will do that. But what's the rest of that phrase? According to the power that works in us. It's according to that power that's energized in us. And here again, we see this this partnership we have with God. To experience those Ephesians 3.20 days, we need to operate that power. It's according to that power in us. So many times people are, are... looking for God to do something that he's already done. This whole section, this whole doctrinal section began with God hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ. He's given all this to us already. We have all the power that we need. We have everything within us. It's available to be filled with all the fullness of God. And when we are living that, when we are living that, then God's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We will enjoy those Ephesians 3.20 moments in life, those Ephesians 3.20 events of God doing exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. We will enjoy that to the degree and in the proportion to which we are filled with all the fullness of God. We will enjoy that to the degree and to the proportion that we are living in that fellowship with God where we're just so know his love and living that love. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. And that's the end of the doctrinal side of Ephesians. God bless you. Mm-hmm. You can't bring me down, the word is on my mind.